Hey, everybody. We're here and we are going to be talking about all things glutes today. But first, I want to introduce myself. My name is Amy Enger. I am the founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini. And my co-host today is... Hi, I'm Lee Marie Hospitor. I am an NPC bikini competitor and a Glam Girl coach. So today we're going to talk about a um, your top 10 tips for growing your glutes. And we may have some time also to talk about the progressive overload principle that we utilize here at Glam Girl. And we highly suggest that as bodybuilders, this is something, a principle that you should apply to your hypertrophy goals. So we're just going to get right into it. And we're going to talk about number one on growing the glutes. So Lee Marie and I have collaborated um, on an ebook that has just come out. So it is live on our website at glamgirlbikini.com on the shop tab. And you will see that we are kind of giving you a sneak preview of some of the content that will be in that guide. So we're giving you some tips here for free. These are in the appendix. Um, and Lee Marie did a great job of recording and videoing all the exercises. So it's an interactive PDF where she actually is demonstrating all of the movements. And one of the sections is glute activation. And so she's got all these videos on different glute activation exercises that you should do. And it's really important as an athlete to warm up your muscles. I always like to think of it as sharpening the saw. I don't know if you've ever heard um, that in, uh, I think it's Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. So he talks about sharpening the saw and you can you know, hack away at a tree with a doll blade and you're going to be there forever. You're not going to be making much progress. And then when you sharpen that saw, you take the time to sharpen the saw, takes a very short amount of time. Then your cuts into that tree are going to be a lot more um, quick and you're going to be able to cut that tree down right away. So if you want to build glutes properly, you have to get your muscles activated, warmed up before you even start your programming and exercises. So we have a lot of band activation moves in this glute guide, and we recommend it for all of our athletes when it comes to programming. So Lee Marie, why don't you share with the audience just what um, some of the, you know, reasons why you like glute activation or your thoughts there? Yeah, I love warming up with glutes and taking that time. It did take a little convincing because I felt like I just wanted to get straight to the workout and I didn't want to waste any time with, you know, seemingly like just small movements. So it's like, let, let me just get right to the meat, but coming from my background, which is strength training and specifically powerlifting and CrossFit, um, you're focusing mostly on the actual weights that you're able to lift and less on the actual muscles that you're using. You do focus a lot on form and technique, but for me, I was very uh, quad dominant and upper back dominant. And so with a lot of the things like squats or deadlifts that should be using my glutes, I was really more using my back and my quads. And so learning to activate the glutes really helps me connect the mind muscle connection with the movement that I'm doing. And it helps me focus on the right 
exercises and they they really do kind of suck the glute the warm-up exercises are really going to make you burn <laughs> so but it's so important to do them because as you're as for me at least as my muscles start to burn and i start to really feel them it's easier for me to make that my muscle connection when i get to the actual lift yeah and we're both uh certified personal trainers so you know if we're going to go that route to the science behind this is you can't if you think about your muscle like a rubber band and you put a rubber band in the freezer so it's cold and you try to pull that rubber band what is it going to do it's going to break it's going to snap so you really need to increase the temperature of your body before you even start exercising safely and if you're going to be stretching your muscles before if you want that full range of motion if you're like me where you have a tight psoas muscle which is if those of you that don't know the anatomy side of things it's basically like the front your hip flexors right mm -hmm. so you if you have tight hip flexors which a lot of us do because we have jobs um like myself where you sit most of the day and mm -hmm. your glutes are um basically atrophying when you're sitting in a chair and your psoas muscle gets extremely tight so when you think about that hip thrust motion where your hip bones are going up towards the ceiling and you're driving your glutes up, there's going to be a limited range of motion if there's a tight rubber band in the front of your hips. So what I like to do is, and of course, Lady Marie also has a video of all these different exercises like pigeon pose and psoas stretches. So once you've done the activation, then you can go ahead. Your body temperature is elevated. And then you can stretch those muscles and those ligaments, tendons, all that stuff's going to be able to be more pliable because it's heated and it's going to stretch. And then when you go into the actual movement, again, it's like sharpening that saw. You're getting a better contraction. You're getting better range of motion. And um, so, yeah, that's my two cents on the stretching part too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even realize until we worked on some range of motion um, exercises that in certain movements, I was not even hitting my glutes because of tight, um, my tight psoas muscles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's important that you select glute exercises that are in different planes of motion. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, Lee Maria just talked about a squat. So the squat the where, where the glute is activated is at the very bottom of the motion where your glute is you're basically sitting in a chair and then when you stand up it's mostly quads and hamstrings however in a hip thrust you're doing that horizontal plane of motion um, and you're doing a full contraction on glute max and then you can hit other angles vertically in the same um, motion so like a kneeling Smith machine squat where you're hip thrusting in an upright position or doing like a cable pull through. And then we also have um, other parts of the glute. So there's glute max, which takes up the majority of the glute. And a lot of people talk about a glute hamstring tie-in and really there's no such thing. Um, it's basically high hamstring, lower glute. It looks like a V at the bottom of your glutes. So that's glute max. You're going to be able to activate that area, but you also need to incorporate some glute medius and there's also glute minimus, but those are all going to be contracted by doing abduction work. So we have, you know, different isolation movements 
So you're getting the roundness, that shelf at the top, but then you're also getting that deep V at the bottom. Uh, any thoughts on the isolation exercises? I love that you give a variety in the ebook. We have a variety of isolation exercises and then it does give like a little explanation, just like what you just said. And I love knowing certain exercises and what, uh, what side of the muscle or what area they specifically focus on. For me, it really helps me with my mind muscle connection. And so sometimes I even close my eyes during reps and I really focus on those V tapers, like the glute hamstring tie-in in quotes. Mm -hmm. But if I focus on that, then I can feel myself using that part of my glute and really squeezing on those muscles versus if I'm just counting reps, um, I might not be getting the activation that I really could be getting out of the movement. Yeah. And just to um, piggyback on that thought, because I think, you know, we talk about the glute ham tie-in. So um, hitting that high hamstring is super important as well. And something that I've learned over the years is just having your range of motion on like your deadlifts and things, um, so that you're either elevated or you're using a preloaded bar. Um, so if you're using the bumper plates, you'll want to elevate your body so you can go all the way down to your shoelaces and that's going to be able to activate that top part of the hamstring. Uh, you'll notice the hamstrings is, is three different muscle group, or it's three different muscles that make that muscle group up. And you can, with different foot positions and things and different ranges of motion, you can hit different parts of the hamstring. So if you're looking to get that high hamstring, that's just a tip that I have. Um, if you're doing RDLs and things like that. Um, okay. Number three is focus on the mind muscle connection and your weight selection with consideration to good form. So if you are just starting out and you have no background in sports, no background in weight training or anything like that, I recommend hiring a personal trainer to check your form, make sure you're doing it the right way. You can not only hurt yourself first and foremost, which is the most important thing that you're doing exercises safely, uh, but you also, you won't get proper technique and you'll start to get other muscle groups recruited. And when you really want to grow one specific lagging body part, it's important that you're actually putting the range of motion and the contraction into that specific area. And I like to, with an athlete, just kind of use an EMG to see where that activation is occurring on different exercises. Everyone has a little bit of a different body. Um, so what I do for my online clients is I will have them send me a video of their technique and I give them a loom video back, giving them some feedback. If they can come here to glam girl headquarters, then I put the EMG on them, go through some glute exercises and see like where we're isolating on specific ones because we are the unicorn prep, everything specific to that person. However, I do have a lot of clients that just they're brand new, super green, and I encourage them to get an in-person trainer and to just give that in-person trainer my programming. That way they learn the proper way to do it. You know, a lot of these movements are the same. There's a limited amount, right? That isolates the glutes. So once you get those fundamentals down, then it's easy to kind of progress throughout um, on your own. So any thoughts there? I love that idea. I love the idea of hiring a personal trainer, but then just 
giving them the program. So whether you buy the glute guide from us or whether you sign up for training and you get an online coach to give you a program, just taking that and hiring a personal trainer for even just three or four sessions, maybe doing like a week or a couple of weeks apart. The first one, they'll show you how to do all of those specific exercises. And then you can check in with them and, and have them tweak your form again and again, rather than, um, I know it can be kind of expensive to just go to the gym and have a personal trainer several times a week to just come up with your program. But if you have your program with you and you just take it and be like, take me through these exercises, make sure I'm doing them well. And then also a great option is if you do have an online coach sending them videos, that's usually helpful. And then feedback of where you're feeling it in your muscles. And then we can watch your videos and we can kind of make some adjustments just from our knowledge as personal trainers to help you out with that. Yep. And like you said, the glute guide has videos. So that's always helpful as well. If you're, um, you know, cause you can Google things and you can get a million different things mm -hmm. but it may not be exactly what we're looking for so it's good that you're kind of role modeling the correct way in that in that guide so uh number five uh no number four i'm getting ahead of myself is eat enough calories to build especially enough protein so we at glam girl it depends on what season you're at um if you're in an improvement season or you're um trying to grow then we're probably gonna set your protein goal a little bit higher than your body weight. It'll be on a sliding scale. You know, I've done as high as like 1.5 times mm -hmm. your body weight, 1.25. If, you know, you're trying to just, you know, maintain your muscle or, um, you're basically in a deficit and kind of dieting for a show, it may be one gram per pound of body weight. We typically don't go much less than that. Um, it's just a good rule of thumb in general. Um, unless somebody has, I mean, there's always a depends, right? So if somebody has like a liver or kidney, um, issue, then we may go, uh, lower than that. And then just supporting calories to build your body. So you need carbs to recover. You need carbs for energy in the gym. So making sure that you're hitting your macros, um, as far as fat, you know, you need that for your hormones and, your hormones play an intricate role in muscle building because if your fats are too low, your testosterone could be too low. Your, you know, estrogen and progesterone could be too low. And that would be, you know, hindering thyroid production, all of that. So those are all things that are going to build muscle tissue. Do you have anything to add on number four? Yeah, I've really realized over the past year and just even recently, again, how important it is for pre-workout and post-workout meal timing and how you structure the meals that you eat before you work out and after you work out, especially for me, a lot of the time I work out very early in the morning. And so I don't really want to quote unquote, waste my, my food that early when I'm not necessarily really hungry, but it's so important for me to get a good portion of carbs and protein before I work out because it almost acts like caffeine in my system and I get so much more energy. And then I go into the gym with all of that energy to put into my workout. And then after I've, you know, broken down my muscles, it's really important to get that good source of protein and carbs within that post-workout, you know, half hour, hour 
um, to start that recovery process when my goal is to build muscle. So that's been yeah. really helpful. You bring up a really good point with the fasted weight training. It's something that I do not recommend if you want to train optimally and actually grow uh, muscles because protein synthesis is not turned on until you have a protein bolus. And for most females, it's anywhere between 20 to 30 grams, depending on, you know, if you're vegan or an omnivore, but you should be having that to turn that on. And the, if you absolutely cannot even just get in a protein shake, you're waking up super early. I do have clients that sometimes they're training at like three in the morning just to get life done. And so in those situations, um, or maybe they get like sick if they kind of like a sick feeling when they eat and then work out. So I at least tell them to make sure they have an EAA, whether that's a powdered form or a pill form, um, first form makes like an anabolic bridge, which is a pill form. And then they also make a powder, but that'll give them those nine essential amino acids to at least turn on muscle protein synthesis. But again, if you want to be optimal, you want to have the maximum muscle growth possible, then you want to make sure you have your protein before your lift and after. Um, okay. Do you want to take number five? Cause I think this is something that you've changed recently. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So uh, number five is to avoid too much activity and having no rest days. So I am a self-proclaimed cardio money. I love cardio. I could do it for hours, um, but that's not going to help me with building muscles. So if I'm in a building phase, I, I need to be able to eat enough and train hard, but then allow my, my body to recover. So if I'm always thinking of fat loss, cardio, sweat, burn calories, I'm actually burning the fuel that needs to go to my muscles to build them. So also I'm using up all my energy when I could be saving it for the intensity of my lifts. And so something that has really helped me is taking down, I, I took out pretty much all of my high intensity cardio right now. So I can focus all of my energy on my lifts, but then I also set a timer for my lifts. And so my timer, like the time that I have to work out is enough for me to get everything in. But I know that when the timer goes off, I'm done. So I only have this limited time and it helps me focus on my intensity for those workouts. And if I feel like I got an intense enough workout, then I, I actually feel like taking rest days. And if you're going throughout the, the week and working out seven days a week, no rest days, and you're like, I don't even really need a rest day, maybe taking a couple of rest days and then focusing on more intensity in your workouts and using your energy that way will actually help you feel a little bit more sore and like feel like taking a rest day because now... I definitely, when it's time for that rest day, I'm ready for it. I'm like, my body needs it. If I went into the gym right now, I would not be able to train hard because I'm so sore today. Yeah. I used to be team no rest day as well. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's no judgment here. I've definitely done that before because I just feel like I need movement every day. And I realized that I was functioning probably at like an 80 to 75% in my workouts and now that I take rest day, you know, I'm functioning at like a 90 to 100 because I'm fully recovered. I'm not like wrecked from soreness. I've given my body time to bounce back like 24 to 48 hours for a muscle group to recover. And that way it helps me really with my intensity, um, 
throughout those times when I'm actually working. Okay. Number six, use a band to engage the glutes more fully. And I would say that this one kind of depends on most people, but in most people that I've put the EMG on, which basically just is a sensor for those of you that don't know what that is. Um, it's a sensor that detects contraction in the muscle group. So anytime I usually put a band on somebody in a glute bridge or in a hip thrust motion, usually the band makes the numbers go way up in terms of the muscle firing harder with more contraction. Um, there have been some caveats. So tests don't guess, but in most cases, you're good to add a band for um, extra glue activation. So I think you kind of touched on number seven uh, with oh, yeah. cutting back on cardio or steady state jogging. So um, you did mention HIT though as well, um, which is a good point to bring up. But yeah, the steady state cardio really um, can be a catabolic type of movement where basically that just means the muscle tissue is breaking down. Um, the body's using muscle tissue for fuel. Whereas in HIIT training, you go really intense and then you give yourself a recovery. You're more going for um, a different, you know, because you're recovering, you're not so catabolic. It's more of an anabolic type of movement where you preserve a little bit more tissue that way. And then if you look at like a sprinter versus marathoner, you can see that they're training their white uh, fiber muscles. So those are like the fast twitch, the larger in size. So they're going for a short burst, like a sprint, and then they're recovering. And then you see the marathoners, they have really small muscles, those type two fibers that are red. They're more endurance based. Those are going long durations of time. You're training those smaller sized muscles. So when you look at the, just the legs on, on a sprinter and a marathoner, you can kind of see where that, um, plays a role. So it's about training the muscle fibers as well. And then number eight, um, do you want to talk about this one with the foam rolling and the recovery activities? Yeah. yeah. Your so favorites? <laughs> prioritizing recovery activities and foam rolling. So this actually, when I think about recovery, I actually think about my next workout and setting myself up for my next workout. So recovery, I love to take Epsom salt baths. It's super easy. It helps with my soreness incredibly. And then, and it's really relaxing and it helps you relieve stress and everything. And then foam rolling is really good for just working out any knots in your muscles. Um, stretching out any tightness, helping with soreness, and then even some, like once you've warmed up a little bit, some stretching too, to help with, um, or like yoga or something to help with your range of motion, your mobility, all of those things are going to help your next, your following workouts, eat, make them easier, help you feel better, uh, relieve soreness is really, really huge and stress on the body. Um, a big thing for me is having tight traps. That's another big thing that we have from sitting a lot and pulling our shoulders forward, um, tension in our neck, pulling our shoulders up. Um, so my traps, yeah, they're always really, really tight. And so I've been working a lot on foam rolling those, or even doing some, I have like a tense massage, um, or if you have a massage gun working on your traps and just being able to realize and, and locate the areas where you hold stress and tension and being able to work on recovery with that is going to be really helpful. 
Yeah. And we recorded some videos on foam rolling and recovery specifically for glutes. That's one of the sections of the glute guide. And I feel like utilizing those, not only, like you said, improves range of motion for your next session, it, it allows you to bounce back quicker so that you can do maybe three glute training sessions a week versus like two, because you're so tight and sore. And yeah, that turnaround time is really, really key with when it comes to recovery, I'm trying to think of some other recovery exercises that maybe you didn't mention. Um, I know for me, I do like a yoga wheel. Sometimes, um, I do deep tissue massage, dry needling is another good one that you can do. And then there's also a thing called Graston, which basically an individual takes like a, basically they're scraping you with a metal <laughs> type of thing. It sounds like ridiculously horrible, but, um, the dry needling is acupuncture and then it's, um, hooked up to a tens unit. So that acupuncture, all those things to relieve tension in the muscles are really helpful as well. And, um, let's go on to number nine where novelty is the enemy. So a lot of people like to have variety in their workouts, which is great. But, um, if you get bored, you know, putting variety in your workouts is a good thing, but then at the same time, you're really not able to see where you're progressing. So if you're not doing the same fundamental things week after week and seeing like, okay, on this, you know, exercise, I was able to increase my reps this week. And then on this exercise, I had to stay with the same reps, but I was able to inc increase the weight. Um, maybe you, you know, change your tempo, something like that. Um, but that's that progressive overload technique or um, principle. And we're going to talk maybe a little bit more in depth about that if we have time, but it's, it's important to do like the monotony, even if things seem like boring, it's very essential to completely, you know, and the glute exercises, there's only so many, right? So yes, you can hit like the same angle using like a different machine, uh, to modify or things like that, but it's really important to kind of see your progress and nail your technique and form. Um, did you have anything to add on that? I love this point. This point makes me really excited. I hear this so often from clients over the last few years that they just get bored of things. And I think it comes from just um, buying a program online or something and they do it the first time and they see great results, but then they start the next time and it's just kind of like, they're not as motivated, but what I love with, um, both hiring an online coach. So all of our glam girls do this with your personalized training, but also if you get the glute guide that we have the ebook, um, we have the same workouts for a certain amount of time. So within that time, you can work on, you know, tracking your progress, increasing your weights, increasing your reps or sets. Something I like to do is if it says, um, four by 10 to 12, the first week I do, you know, four by 10 of a certain weight. And then the next week I might do four by 12 of that weight. The next week I go back to four by 10, but it increased the weight. And so there's really endless possibilities of getting variety and tracking your progress is really exciting. But then also after, you know, I think in the glute guide, it is every three weeks, I want to say. Four weeks. 
four weeks, every four weeks, we yep. switch up. And so, yes, you are doing the same types of exercises, but it, you know, gives you a little variety because they're all, you can use cables, you can use barbells, you can use machines or dumbbells. There's so many different things that you can do. So there's a lot of variety you can get with those basic moves. So there is enough of a change that allows you time to grow within that workout. And then it gives you a new one. And then I'll speak on that since I wrote the programming. So what I did was, so definitely follow it. Like Lee Marie was saying with like increasing your reps, increasing your weight in those first four weeks. And then if you look at like eight through um, like the next, you know, five through uh, what would it be? Six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, They are basically the same movements, but maybe just a little bit more challenging. So I had this in mind for people that, you know, are just maybe starting out. So it's kind of like the easy version of these movements. And then it gets like elevated the next four weeks. So, you know, you may have um, a glute bridge from the floor week one. And then the next week you may have like from an elevated position just to give a little bit more extra. And then, um, you know, some of the weeks it would have like a single leg, but it's basically the same group of muscles you're working within sort of the same exercise, but it's like leveling up every four weeks. So it's progressively getting more difficult, um, as far as that's concerned. So, um, so like, for example, like I think the last week, the abduction machine, it has different like, um, seated positions just to kind of add some extra intensity. Um, but those pop up every week on the same day. It's just, they get progressively more intense, I guess you would say. Love it. Yeah. So number 10 is get enough sleep and you want to make sure you get about seven to nine hours of sleep. And I think a lot of people, you know, miss the mark when it comes to sleep, it's underrated as a priority and it can really make a difference in how your muscles repair and recover. So when we're sleeping at night, it's really important that we give ourselves enough REM sleep so that we're really, our, our body's taking the time to repair our muscles because you get little micro tears when you're doing a workout and those need to kind of like heal to grow new tissue. So any thoughts on sleep? I feel like we could do a whole episode just on sleep. It is so important. And I think that it does get overlooked a little bit. A lot of the times when I'm talking um, to clients about their lifestyle, if I mention sleep, it's kind of like, I don't even, I never sleep or I can't even do that. Like it's not a priority for us. And so don't feel if you do have like crazy schedules, if you can't get, you know, the seven to nine hours every single night, focus on what you can do, focusing on setting yourself up for that good REM sleep, you know, all the different tips and tricks to make your sleep atmosphere the most conducive to good night of sleep. Just focus on just one step forward, just getting a little bit better sleep every night. It's so important for that recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're kind of running out of time here, so we're going to wrap this up, but we may, you know, do an episode also just on progressive overload. We gave you a little bit of an insight on that on number nine, but, you know, just remember that you're progressively overloading when it comes to that, your body needs constant new stimulus to change, right? Because we're, our bodies are very much a homeostatic, um, we're homeostatic beings. We want um, homeostasis and we don't 
we want the path of least resistance. So our bodies are going to, we're kind of programmed for survival, right? So when we're constantly pushing the envelope, our bodies get uncomfortable with that. And it's important to keep pushing yourself because you're going to stay the same if you kind of do the same. So I encourage you, you know, to look at your intensity, increase that every week, you know, whether that's you are looking at your heart rate, um, your, you know, tracking and a log, your weights that you've lifted, your amount of reps, but keep yourself accountable to pushing yourself. Uh, and that's where it's nice to have a coach that comes in to kind of like keep pushing you, but also within yourself, it's important to kind of monitor that. And I just think that, you know, every time we give ourselves a new challenge, our body will adapt to try to become level right to that homeostasis, um, space. So yeah, the more challenges you give it, uh, the more growth you'll see because your body's going to want to try to feel comfortable in every uh, situation. So I love that. that's kind of my two cents on that. Did you have anything before we wrap up here? No, I think that that really just covers an overload of it. Uh, check out the glute guide. It is a great resource. It's very educational. Plus it gives you your workouts. And then all of these tips are included in the glute guide videos showing you how to do all the exercises, how to progress in your intensity. Um, and it's just broken down in a really simple way. So it's easy to understand. Anyone can do it as long as you have access to a gym. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes of this episode. And then if you enjoy today's content, please give us some love. Uh, we're just trying to help people out by educating um, in the sport of bodybuilding. So if you subscribe or you like this video, leave a comment on what your thoughts were. We'll try to do more videos like this where we can put out some content, you know, to help other people out in the sport. So with that, this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off with my co-host. And this is Lee Marie, Glam Girl Coach and NPC Bikini Competitor.